He's known for his brightly colored bow ties. The former Navy Rear Admiral is known for his ability to quote vast passages of Scripture. And for two decades now, Barry Black has been known in the United States Senate for one thing, his prayers. Barry Black knows Jesus and shares his faith in the prayers he prays. Even the secular media included his praying as the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump began last week. Barry is a Seventh-day Adventist minister, a minister I've interviewed more than once. What comes through when Barry leads in prayer? A rebuke for infighting among lawmakers surrounding him. A conscience check for those on both sides of the aisle. He points out the power of life and death is in the tongue. A reminder for all. After the storming of the Capitol, he rose, called out the violence, praying for unity and peace. May we pray for peace in Jesus Christ. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this day after Valentine's Day, we're starting a new series called The Heart of Jesus. When I took over as the fourth speaker of this radio program, I had big shoes to fill. Ray Ortland had been at the helm of the ministry for many years, but thankfully, even after he retired, he was there to encourage me. He often sent notes. We broke bread together. He told me he was praying for me, and he really was. He knew the challenges because he had been there himself. I came to not only know Ray as a mentor, but as my friend as well. In the next few minutes, we're going to be joined by Ray's grandson, Dr. and Pastor Dane Ortland, And I think you'll agree with me when our time is over that he has the same uplifting spirit that his grandfather had. But a few years ago, Dane was struggling. He felt he only knew a two-dimensional Jesus, so he set out to discover the heart of who Jesus truly is. What is his deepest beating affection for his people even in their sinning? Dane Ortland will be back with us in a moment to share how discovering the heart of who Jesus is rejuvenated his walk with his Savior. After the program, if you'd like, I want to send you a copy of Dane's new best-selling book called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. For your gift to the ministry, we have it as a hardback book or ask for the audio version read by Dane himself. Here's our phone number to call after the program, 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website for gentle and lowly, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now let's begin with a verse of scripture that Dane Ortland uses frequently in his book, but set to music by Matt Papa, Matthew 11. 28. Come to me. Are you burned out from this busy life? Are you striving for success? Yeah, you work so hard just to get ahead for a wage of loneliness. Are you worn out on religious rules? Come away with me 
Straight out of Matthew 11:28, Matt Papa singing from his Scripture Songs and Hymns album. This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris in a program called The Heart of Jesus. And I wonder if any of our longtime listeners recognize this voice. During the time of Nehemiah and Ezra, God renewed his people. They had gotten far from the Lord, and he used his word to bring them back to himself. Stay tuned to this Haven of Rest broadcast, and we'll see how God might do that today. I'm your host, Ray Ortland. Yes, that was the voice of my predecessor, the late Ray Ortland, on what was then called Haven of Rest. He changed the name to just Haven. But today, let's go to the western suburbs of Chicago, and I want to welcome the grandson of Ray, Dane Ortland. Welcome. We've had you on the program before, but it's good to have you back. Charles, it is great to be talking with you today. Thank you. Well, Dane, you and I met about 10 years ago. I was passing through Wheaton. You were an executive with Crossway Publishing. You're a pastor now. But we booked a breakfast that just kept going. 
you wanted us to talk about grace, stories of grace, our need for more of God's grace. And since then, you've been on a quest. And the result is this book, which is a runaway bestseller. It's called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. How did the Lord stir your heart to write this book? Mm, thank you, Charles. Well, I I discovered as I was uh, eight, nine, ten years ago, just wading into some of the old dead Puritan writings, <laughs> that the Jesus that I was uh, following, Charles, was a shell of the actual Christ. Mm-hmm. I was it was a two dimensional, not a three dimensional Christ, and there was something about the Jesus that these old timers were talking about that was uh, alive and vibrant and vital and life-giving that I had a really domesticated, decaffeinated sense of. And namely, that was, in a word, his heart. So the Puritans, Thomas Goodwood and Richard Sibbs and others, they were talking about not just the work of Christ, not even just the person of Christ, but the heart of Christ. Mm. What is his Mm. deepest beating affection for his people, even in their sinning? Mm. It's very interesting that you bring up the Puritans. Uh, I thought I'd ask you about this a little bit later, but uh, since you brought it up, you you mentioned names like Goodwin and Sibbs and John Bunyan. You quote from John Bunyan as well. None of us, or most of us, don't really read the Puritans. I've tried, but you have. And you've been mining gold from the Puritans. How did they kind of influence you to start understanding the gospel in a deeper, more profound way that you say you need it? Well, mining gold is the right metaphor, Charles, (laughs) because sometimes you're mining and mining and mining and saying, good grief, where is the gold around here? (laughs) Because they can be so analytical at great length. Uh, They were they were true uh, wrestlers with the Bible and with theology. But you come across gold nuggets and um, they were simply un parallel. They were without peer when it comes to taking my fallen human heart in one hand and the the biblical truth of the gospel as given to us in the scripture in the other hand and building bridges between the two. They were neither purely just theoretical, you know, dogmaticians that just theologians uh, handling the Bible like a, la- a scientist with a white lab coat on the one hand, nor were they purely interested only in uh, sort of therapeutic self-help or something like that on the other. No, it was my real life, my fallen heart, and the biblical gospel given to us in Scripture. They knew how to connect the two. They knew how our hearts work in a way that sometimes you, you read um, stuff today by pastors and theologians, and you just think, this is, this is not connecting with my real-time life. And the actual doubts struggles, anguish, shame, regret that I am seeking to navigate day in and day out. The Puritans got it. Uh, Those guys you just mentioned, uh, Bunyan, Sibs, Goodwin, Owen, and others. So I've really just dabbled in those writers, but uh, I have gotten addicted to them because they are able to apply the gospel to my heart in a way that very few others can. Mm. There is one place 
that you keep leading people back to in your book. This is where I need to be. It's the words of Jesus where he said, come to me if you're heavy laden. Well, I am so, so relieved that that is in the Bible, Charles. And I don't know if I can be a disciple of Christ without it, because what he's saying there is, um, I, he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. The only place Spurgeon points out where Christ ever tells us, so he's setting the terms, his claim is, in my heart, which according to both, both Old Testament and New, is your deepest core. It's not just your feelings. It's, it's what animates you and mm-hmm. motivates you and gets you out of bed in the morning. This is what you daydream about. That's your heart. Jesus says what gets him out of bed in the morning is gentle lowliness. That is very, very arresting and surprising because what he's saying is, number one, I am gentle. In other words, I am the most non-harsh, non-manipulative, tender, guileless person in the universe. Combined with, I am lowly (laughs) in heart. In other words, I'm the most accessible, I'm the most approachable person in the universe. You don't have to take a ticket and get in line. I'm not going to put you on hold. You don't have to, like when you're getting ready to go to the dentist, brush your teeth real well first, clean yourself up. Mm. You come as you are and in no other way. Mm. You don't have to, like a politician, go through security to get to him. He is the most approachable and accessible person in the universe. He says, come to me. The, The revelation one Christ with hair like wool and snow and his and his feet like burnished bronze and his voice like the roar of many mm. waters that christ that same one says i am gentle and lowly in heart mm. so this is the best of all possible worlds this means you can come to him and you there's no minimum bar there's no prereq that you have to take first you can simply go right to him and he will embrace you into his deepest heart because that is his deepest joy Hmm. I usually say amen at this point, so I'll just say amen. (laughs) (laughs) If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven today, Dr. Dane Ortland. Yeah, you recognize that last name. has written a best-selling book. He's a pastor in Naperville, Illinois. That's one of the Chicago suburbs. We first met when he was working for the Christian book publisher Crossway in Wheaton. And uh, I started this year on my knees asking the Lord for renewal, asking the Lord for a revival in my heart. Your grandfather, the late Ray Ortland, he prayed for a revival at his church, Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena. He prayed for a revival when he came, and, and, and revival broke out at Wheaton College just near you. And I asked him to explain it to me. He couldn't explain it. He just said, I asked a lot of people to pray, and they prayed. How do I have the heart of Christ? I am a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I confess my sins every day. I do suffer. I've gone through depression bouts over this last year. So many of our listeners have. How do we do it? How do we capture and get close to Jesus? Mm. Well, that is the question of all questions, isn't it, Charles? I mean, if we can't meaningfully engage and answer that question, who cares about any of these theological 
<laughs> matters that we're raising. Um, the whole point is to be able to wade into the answer uh, to the question you're asking about how do we actually connect with Christ's very heart. And you're right, it has been such a distressing year for all of us. It's been a hard year for me. Um, and what I would want to say, brother, is on, on the one hand, God has to do it. As, as my granddad said, people were praying, God has to do it. That is true. I believe that. And at the same time, God works through means. So we don't just sit back passively like robots and, and wait for him to do something. We act. Well, what do we do? The heart of Christ is not a formula. It's not a tactic. Uh, it's not something we can download. It's not something we can crowbar ourselves or leverage ourselves into. We are melted and lifted into it. I like mm -hmm. to use the image of an Eskimo <laughs> who wins a vacation to a sunny place, walks out of his igloo, gets on the dog sled, goes down to the airport in the middle of nowhere, you know, freezing cold, gets on this little rickety plane. It drops him off in Cancun. He gets to the airport, goes through his hotel room, slides open the balcony door, steps out onto the balcony. He hasn't even taken his furs off yet. And he's standing in the warm sun. He does not say, now, how do I apply this to my life? He does not say, uh, now, how do I, how am I supposed to enjoy this warmth? He simply basks. Mm. He lets himself melt. Mm. He lets himself get warmed up. So mm. when we talk about the heart of Christ, yes, we open up the scripture. Yes, we seek to set our alarms a little earlier in the day and get up and pray. <laughs> yes, we avail ourselves of the means of grace, the sacraments, and so on. This is not mm. rocket science here, the ordinary means of grace. But... Through all of that, we are seeking to let Christ love us. Mm. All we're actually trying to do is let our defenses down. Let the inner RPMs come to a standstill. Let the inner Pharisee just calm down and let ourselves see in the scripture actually wonder of wonders. The real Jesus, not the Jesus, the junior varsity Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible loves us most strongly in our deepest regions of shame, anguish, and regret. That's where he lives most. Mm. It's not a concession mm. for him to go there. That's actually where he likes to be the most. And that flows right out of the Old Testament picture of God. So this is something that is deeply, deeply calming and peace-giving as we ponder Christ and his very heart. I knew I could get you preaching after a few minutes. <laughs> Dane Ortland, it's been great having you on the program today. I think we need to pray together, and I think you should lead us in prayer. I'm praying for renewal. I know that's something you've prayed for in your life. We need a word from the Lord in all of our lives today. Would you lead us in prayer? I would be glad to. Thank you, Charles. Let's pray now, friends. Our Father in heaven, not our employer, our Father in heaven, thank you for pulling us into your own heart through the heart of your Son as given to us uh, through the Holy Spirit. So we now pray for every uh, man or woman or child listening to this broadcast that you would irrigate their hearts, flood their hearts with an unquenchable, unmistakable, unambiguous, clear, full, 
sense of who you most deeply are for us, not once we get better, but in our sin and anguish. Won't you bring, as Charles says, renewal and a reviving work far and wide and deep to the church uh, here in the States and globally to uh, to the church and bring many uh, more into the church and thereby into your heart. And so, Father, we ask that you would do this great work of grace through the Spirit on the merits of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come to me right now If you're burdened down Come to me and I will give you rest For your weary soul I will ease your Lord Come to Haven today in a program called The Heart of Jesus. What a blessing it's been for me to have Dane Ortland on our program today. His grandfather was such an encouragement to me when he passed the Haven baton to me, and I'm grateful that the Lord used another Ortland to stir my soul again today. 
Over the past few months, at least 14 people, friends from far and wide, have called or emailed to tell me you've got to read Dane's new book. So I started reading Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers, back in January. One chapter a day. It's too rich to try and read any faster. And as you just heard, Dane Ortland wrote this book out of his own deep craving to know the heart of Jesus. Not just to be saved, he was already saved, but to find the heart of Jesus in his own life today. To not just understand, but to have relationship with him today and every day with Christ and the Spirit of Christ alive in him. If you are looking for that relationship like me and like Dane, Please get on the phone right now. Make a gift to the ministry. Ask for the hardback copy of Gentle and Lowly. We also have the audio version of the book read by the author, Gentle and Lowly. Call us right now at 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us online, read a sample from the book, or listen to Dane read a few paragraphs. Our website is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me and Dane Ortland. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we're going to look for the heart of Jesus in our lives in light of the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Christians should be the happiest people in the world. Now, that doesn't mean having a happy face and pretending like nothing hurts. That kind of false happiness is only useful for the theater. I mean, happy in the way Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. It's translated blessed because it speaks to the depths of our soul. Blessed means happy, but not happy-go-lucky. This becomes clear when we think of Jesus' first blessing in Matthew 5.3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom. We may weep. We may be downcast and downtrodden by the world. But in Jesus, we are blessed, and the kingdom is ours. That's a reason to be happy. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.